Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to get blunt about a bunch of stuff. This is Dan Mecca with Connor O'Donnell. This is the B-side for the film stage here. We talk about movie stars, not the ones that made them famous. And when I say ones, I mean movies. But the movies, the ones that they made in between. And today we're talking about Emily Blunt. And we don't have a guest because we don't need a guest because we're going to get blunt. We're going to talk about some salmon fishing. We're going to talk about mountains that are wild and in our time. But spelled T-H-Y-M-E. And we're going to talk about the bureaus that adjust. And we're going to also talk about another movie for five minutes. Uh, about, it's a guy's name and there's kind of golf and uh, oh boy. there's a few things yeah from the writer though and we'll get into it of the prince of tides wrote that yes movie, which correct i do love the prince of tides yeah so there, that is, there is that um okay connor how are things as we jump into this how how's everything it's we're in the we're in the middle of summer it's been a summer it's hot <laughs> it is hot that is for uh, sure. I just it's a long hot summer as you as for the Paul I was Newman trying, fans out there. I was trying to blast my AC as much as possible before we started recording because I have to turn it off. So if you start to just hear me drip and sweat over the course of the duration of this recording. We uh I apologize. We returned as we were recording this, we returned me, and my wife, and our young son. You have uh, a son? We, yes. Wow. I have a son. Yeah. Uh as far as I know. No. Um Yes, the three of us, we got back home from a uh, trip uh, last night, and the air obviously was not on, mm. and it was, as the crow flies, 86 degrees in the house, and I we were like- I don't think that's how as the crow flies. I, I'll shirt. say what I want to <laughs> say. So we get into the house, it's like a scorcher, and we have, we do have a cat, and we were like- how is the cat not dead? Now, granted, we had someone checking on the cat. Right, sure. So, I, you know, obviously. But even still, right, you get back and you're like, it's oh, a, my you God. Have this- a, I don't know if people uh, who are listening have seen I mean, you have a fluffy cat, too. It's like not a. Right. Who, I mean, I will say the cat. Yes, fluffy cat, ragdoll, uh, white uh, cat. The cat does shed. Mm. Uh, so he's very thin right now in terms of his fluffiness because literally and obviously they yeah. you know, shed hair as Survival. it gets hotter. And then sure. and then in the winter you he will be the puffiest, obviously, you know, in February, what have you, he'll be the puffiest that you'll see him anyway. Well, he summers in Yemen too, right? For Sam. He Biden. does summer in Yemen, yeah. which I you know I have to say I'm happy we chose so you know actually, so just we talked about our four movies, which is great. I was thinking about this as I was kind of preparing today. A thing we don't do, which actually I feel like we should do, is we don't even as a primer usually talk about our movie stars as A sides. Um which yeah. I, is Yeah, sure. No, I, no, not like talk about them like like in depth. I just mean like spot check, like Right. I mean, I like suppose are, we mention them. We mention them if we do in the we context do. of, you know, working through a career. I mean, if we want to just honestly dive into it, like, you know, I think we'll obviously start with adjustment bureau uh, and before we move into salmon fishing in the Yemen. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, again, not maybe not unlike U.S. Marshals with Wesley Snipes in our last episode, 
I, you know, we might be, I think, stretching a little there because, you know, eh. Adjustment Bureau was a wide release. Certainly was, I think, you know, an A-side insofar as like it got her like officially noticed. So, I mean, she had already kind of been nominated for BAFTAs and things like that. So she was like around. Right. Um, but I think that was her like movie star you know, I, I think that chemistry with Matt Damon, well, I think really, yeah. people took notice of that, even if people have kind of now sort of forgotten about that movie, which is why I think you and I decided it's sort of a B-side because it's like. Yeah, I mean, the, the, so, yeah, the quick primer to get to Adjustment Bureau is basically like Emily Blunt. Um, she is from a, a, quite an established family in England. Her her grand her grandfather's like a war hero right mm -hmm. and her mother was an actress right and and um i don't know if you know this connor but her brother-in-law brother -in stanley tucci. tucci dude yeah and um and obviously she's been married to john krasinski for uh over a decade now and um so for her she actually pops early on in a movie called My Summer of Love, which kind of, I don't know if you've seen My Summer of Love. I have not, but it was directed by Pavel Pavlowski. Right. And I, this is a movie I do like. Ida, I think, would, is right. what most people may be listening with. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and this is a movie actually I do like quite a bit. I, I saw it when it was available in the States. Um, and, you know, obviously didn't know who Emily Blunt was, but she's in it. And, and, and that's, it's a, that's a romance film, kind of a, a rich girl, poor girl, a bit of a romance film um set in uh in 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 the uk and as my memory serves that was kind of like a foreign import that was critically hailed and it was that thing of like it puts her on the map for a small group of people where it's like oh this is a young actress to watch and then sure, you know within right. a year and a half summer 06 she you know steals wholesale parts of the devil wears prada right which yeah is a, that, that's which is what i was gonna hit. say i think that that kind of began a, a brief introductory period to her hollywood career where it was the who's that girl kind of thing. well because then it's like movies. yeah she's in jane austen book club right as mm -hmm. like the fourth lead she's in dan in real life as the fifth lead she's the secretary in charge or not even is she the i don't even think she's the secretary i think she's in charlie wilson's war she just like She's like the daughter of like a donor who Tom Hanks is Charlie Wilson like sleeps with at the beginning right. of the movie, yeah, I yeah. believe. And she's in the Great Buck Howard movie that I don't actually believe I've seen. And then Sunshine Cleaning was one we could have done for a B-side because she stars in that movie alongside Amy Adams. Yeah, maybe if we if we do an Amy Adams B-side. Some great casting there. They yeah. they do look like sisters, obviously. So much and so, that was, not to jump ahead. But uh, in my research, I had found out that uh, John Patrick Shanley actually wanted her for the Amy Adams role in Doubt. Oh. Which is just kind of funny. Because then Wild Mountain Time. Yeah, right? yeah. Which is John Patrick Shanley. Um, that is interesting. And then a movie that does kind of put her on the map in an awards watch way you know, even more than Devil Wears Prada is The Young Victoria, which is, you know, directed by uh, Jean-Marc Vallée, who now you know as the guy who, you know, directed 
the first season of Big Little Lies and then directed Sharp Objects, starring Amy Adams, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact. And um, that movie comes and goes, but it, you know, gets like, you know, handsome reviews, right? Then she's in The Wolfman, which is kind of the abandoned child of uh uh what's his name now i'm blanking on his name the well, music Je- video director oh, one no. one hour photo oh mark romanic mark mark, mark romanic uh pushes it to the finish line but then leaves due to creative differences and then like in the 11th hour joe johnson takes it over and it's kind of a messy you know attempt at you know reigniting the wolfman uh that she she's the you know the uh, the female lead in with along with Benicio del Toro and I believe it's Mr. Anthony Hopkins. Yes, yeah. In the Anthony Hopkins role, um, and then I guess the thing that like comes up, especially now because Black Widow's out, is you know she makes Gulliver's Travels, and she was gonna be Natasha Romanoff, mm-hmm. but because of contractual obligations to Gulliver's Travels, she. <laughs> Did not become no, but here's the thing. Dodge the bullet. About honestly, this. dodge the bullet. Happy, Look, happy Scarlett Johansson is an incredibly talented actress, and I do think, as much as I'm lukewarm on most of those Marvel movies, mm-hmm. it's an iconic role and good for Scarlett Johansson. And she has made other movies a little bit, you know, under the skin, being a standout, obviously, in that time. But like, look at their two careers. I don't know. I mean, okay, monetarily. Pre Quiet Place, assuming there's some sort of right. back end for the Krasinski Blunt family there or whatever, like that <laughs> aside, right. yeah. like pre pre that, yeah. sure, like you you know ScarJo could, she's what twenty nine, she's so crazy young still, like you know she could never work a day in her life again and be rich forever and ever and ever, right. even though those Marvel contracts are a scandal. Um, <laughs> But as I understand, but um, but 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 yeah, like wouldn't you rather? Okay, Scarlett Johansson, and I believe Emily Blunt's thirty-eight. So wow, they are very close in age. But you know, Scarlett Johansson. My point is just she's been famous forever. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is, whose career would you rather have at this point? Really? No, I mean, on a, I I was gonna say it's. It's one of those uh, sliding doors. Like it's an scenario. easy joke, Gulliver's yeah, Travels, yeah, yeah, yeah. ha ha ha. But, but it's, it's like, but it is. I I feel like even as a sliding doors scenario, there's not you're you're dealing with similar stuff on the same side of it, right? Because or on either side of it, rather, because like the, I mean, frankly, Emily Blunt. You I mean you didn't even mention, but it's like she goes. She's obvious as we're recording this, and the day that this drops, she will. You know, she'll be in Jungle Cruise, right? Disney. Right. Yes. And then, yes. and then, what? Five five years ago, she's in. Or no? When was uh, when was Mary Poppins? Five years ago? Four years? No, ago? I think even. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll confirm, but I believe the year was 2018. So, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So three three, years, three ago. years ago. So she's right. She's still she's still making her half. Of, you know, her portion of that Disney money as well. So honestly, I mean. Good, good, good for her. She is, um, at least as of, I think, last year, uh, she's the sixth highest paid actress in the world. Um, I mean, and I guess my point is, if we're comparing. Right. <laughs> like, just because now we're doing it. And we're not like, trying to pit the ladies so, against each other. It's no, no, no. It's but but it's, a, a, no. Yeah. So, so, so Iron Man 2 is when, is when Scar Joe is in it, right? That iconic performance. Who could forget <laughs> that iconic performance in Iron Man 2? You know, it's funny. I say that, and actually, I'm being mean, because the performance is actually 
quite memorable, but the movie obviously uh, left something to be desired, as the director would later say. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so she goes, okay, Iron Man 2, fine, 2010. Then she's in We Bought a Zoo, a movie that I like. She is in that film. Okay. Um, Mecha cool. Then she's yeah. the Avengers, fine. And then it's Hitchcock. She plays Janet Lee. Okay, high profile, kind of Oscar play. Didn't go anywhere, but all right, that's fine. Yeah. Don John, moving right along. She's in Under the Skin, which well, it, is all, the movie I was talking about. A career, movie that career best performance. Hey, all credit to Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt has yet to make a movie remotely as good, in my opinion, to Under the Skin. So that alone, credit yeah. to Scarlett Johansson and Jonathan yeah. Glazer yeah. for that. Sure. Then you have her iconic voice performance, and I'm not joking; that's real. That yeah, she's. I, I I do not love that movie the way other people love it, but, but she is. She does a lot of heavy lifting in that movie. She does. Yeah, Chef, which is you know literally John Favreau's like, this is what happened to me in Iron Man Two. I need to make another movie, movie in which she hires half of the Iron Man Two cast to be in it. Um, <laughs> A nice movie. I recently rewatched it. She's got a two-scene role. It's nice, right? Um, then Winter Soldier, fine. <laughs> actually, she's she's actually very good in that movie. And then and then look, Lucy, a movie I love. A movie so, that so, I think is good now. Hated when I saw it though. Okay. Yeah. So loved it when I saw it, love it now. Now, so this is a good point. Like here, here you go. So these are two so far, her, her aside. Under the Skin, Lucy, those are two good movies that she's in that are not Marvel. So that's nice. And then it's and then it's an Age of Ultron, and then it's a Hail Caesar, you know, three and scene she's role. Good, nice. And she's good. Yeah, she's good. Enough. And then it's a Civil War. And then you get into kind of a patch where it's like Ghost in the Shell, ye, Rough Night High, right? Like an Infinity War, a Captain Marvel, an Endgame. And then, you know, 2019 was a good she's year for in her. Captain Marvel? I don't know. It says it on the IMDb. I don't remember. <laughs> I, uh, Gun to my head. I don't remember. And then Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit, obviously, those are nice roles. So, like, look, point is, they're both doing really well. I guess that's just all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> they're both doing really well. Like, and in a way, they're a funny comp because it's like you could see Scarlett Johansson in the Quiet Place movies. You could see her in Edge of Tomorrow. You could certainly see Emily Blunt in any of the movies I just named, you know. Yeah. Um, Maybe not under the skin. That does feel specifically I can perfect I, for Scarjo, but sh- sure. I do think you get um a lot of the same tools in a movie like um I this might seem like a weird comp, but I feel like even in a movie like Sicario, there's just a lot of like Yeah, it's like Sicario th- is it, so good that that Emily Blunt got to be in because she wasn't. No, no, that's whatever. yeah, no. I'm, I'm just saying. I, it, it it's interesting because I didn't even, frankly, the a comparison between the two never ever even crossed my mind. And now that you say it, there's an interesting amount of similarity. I think what's, I'll just say off the bat before we kind of really dive in, but like one of the things that I think is so cool about Emily Blunt as an actress is her she has this crazy ability to like take two seemingly contradictory things and just have them at play constantly like together and yeah i was gonna say i think actually bringing it back to our first movie the adjustment bureau is actually a great example of something that emily blunt can do that actually i don't know if scarlett johansson can do because 
Emily Blunt is very British. And by that, what I mean by that is, and I feel like you're kind of saying this, what I love about her is there is a knowingness to how she approaches scenes and roles that like you could even call it like a winkingness, right? Like yeah, there's that. A, I think yeah, there's Kate, like a- Kate, Be- Kate Beckinsale has a similar <clears throat> thing, I actually think, who's obviously also British, where it's like it, it's a cheekiness to use a to, to use a phrase. Sure. And but I think to your point, she can turn that knob down in spots and all of a sudden. Well, maybe you were kind of laughing with their character, charmed by her character, you know, kind of aware of the movie star performance. Then all of a sudden she can flip it on you and it can become very earnest. Um, Yeah, I mean, she does it in she does it in Sicario. She does a similar, very similar thing in Looper um, where not I don't you know, it's not the same thing as Adjustment Bureau with like being charming necessarily. But that thing of like whether it's whether it's her you know pivoting between say like being charming and something else or like tough and something else right like she does it beautifully in live die repeat right like it's it it's something that i and even like in every movie that we're going to talk about she does it and it's like it's too it's too good effect even if the movie around her is not quite you know rising to meet her or what have you but um but I do think, I mean, I think even when you look, just to lead into Adjustment Bureau, when you look at, like, say, that sort of, like I like I mentioned, that sort of who's that of, of Devil Wears Prada, she's got it in there because she, you know, she's got that prickly sort of conniving thing going on, but there all ultimately also is the softness and vulnerability that, like, totally works there. And I think using certain aspects of that when it when it comes time to basically do adjustment bureau th- like you said that self reflexivity to that character i think is so crucial to the relatability some sort of grounded relatability so that it's not just some like weird male fantasy hmm. does that make sense like it makes sense well and that's a good right yeah like i guess and I feel like that's why she's like a perfect match for 2010 Matt Damon is like, yeah, I agree. He's literally in 2010. He's like the male equivalent of that. Like he's a handsome movie star who seems super approachable and nice. And it's, you know, he's, but he's got all the things you want in a movie star, but it's like grounded in like just enough level of like self-awareness and re and reality that like, it's not, well, and this is a this is an oft used and I think less probably thankfully less used phrase now, but I'm going to go ahead and use it because I do think it applies. Though it's you know there's there's a reductiveness to it. I do think Emily Blunt offers a girl next door thing mm. that literally it does feel like she could be the person you grew up with who was always pretty. But but more importantly, but like cool. In, but like cool. an actual, but an actual girl next door thing. No, that's what not I'm like the movie version of girl next. No, not door. not like yeah, Eliza, yeah. not like Elisa Cuthbert girl no, next no, door. No, 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 or even like, any, or even any where like 
I guess what I mean is not in the movie version in that you can feel a screenwriter writing in the lines of the script. Like this is like, she's like a girl next door type, right? Well, like, well, in that, not, in but, that, but my like point said, is in that male fantasy kind of, but, way or but it's still a little ridiculous cause she's stunningly gorgeous, but, but it's <laughs> sure. the thing, but it's sure. the thing of like Julia Roberts, who one day will do her B side is another one. She offers a and you know in her heyday as like the starlet of the 90s she offered that she offered this like this knowing right wink mm-hmm. hey you know we're all in this together thing so no matter as beautiful as she obviously was and is um there was a relatability there that i think uh, rose her up you know above many others right like like a melanie griffith comes to mind as Mm, i'm listening to the plot thickens podcast on tcm which i can't recommend enough currently about the uh, bonfire of the vanities uh you know melanie griffith i think always struggled literally with that exact thing of her literally being almost so stunningly stunning there was like an unattainability that she really fought to I mean, to, and like, frankly, directly in roles that she chose, right? Like, you well, but then, but then chose other roles to try to right, play like, to like, like it was that thing it, of, yeah. and that's less her fault than the fault of the industry. You can go obviously but you down go a into rabbit like, hole of, mis- of misogynism with that, but, but like, you, you look at yeah. like Body Double or something wild, and those roles are literally, literally, yeah. literally about breaking that facade, right? Like. In terms yes, of yes. her her uh, image, but still, she's being presented for the first half of, of these movies of as, whatever as you think people. that image is. Yeah, yeah so right. yeah, fighting against that, and then obviously the same with Bonfire, right? To a point, similarly. Um, and she look, she, I mean, you listen to that podcast. She talks about it in tapes about it, and and that's that's it's a well covered element of the whole thing. Um, but I do think that's something. Yeah, she can be the mother in a quiet place. She can be the mother in Looper, right? She has these roles, but then in like. You know, whether it's cutting humor in Edge of Tomorrow, whether it's knowing humor in something like salmon fishing, uh, salmon fishing in the Yemen or um, or here in Adjustment Bureau. Um, she's very much. And you know what's funny? I was thinking about this while watching Salmon Fishing, and I actually I'm thinking about this with Adjustment Bureau in both of those movies where in Adjustment Bureau, it's Matt Damon. And then with uh, Salmon Fishing, it's Ewan McGregor, she her co-star. There is a, and this is a lofty comparison, but I do think it applies, maybe not in quality, but just certainly in kind of just, you'll know what I mean when I say it. There is a Hepburn Tracy thing mm. achieved in different ways in both movies, way more in Salmon Fishing, because Salmon Fishing, the M, it literally feels Hepburn like a movie is a, that I Hepburn think, and Tracy would have made if they'd yeah. been alive, right? Like Hepburn, of, I think, but, is a really great comp, actually, because. And we're talking about Catherine. Yes, Audrey. correct, correct. I mean, maybe a little bit Audrey too, but yes, we're. I think Catherine you're, is. You're directly referencing Catherine, which I agree. Yeah, Catherine is. And yeah. I, because I also think, like, even and this isn't one of our movies, but even the young Victoria, you you can comp that to say, you know, a movie that we covered, uh, Mary of Scotland. Yes, right? and it's a it's the same vibe of like let's take this period monarch. And let's let's reveal her to be a 21st century woman type thing. And it well, yeah. And like, what is a progressive woman at that time look like surrounded by men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a similar thing. And I I think that's I think that's right on the money. And to again, pivot back into it. I promise you, everybody, if you haven't seen the Justin Bureau, we'll get into the plot really quickly. But I will say 
it is funny that she hasn't had like a Spencer Tracy, right? Like, yeah, well, no, but nobody does now. Yeah, no, so. I guess that's true. But I think to bring it back to Adjustment Bureau, I do think what makes this movie work is like that's what Damon feels like. Like that. Oh, well, like, yeah. I like think if, if you if were this straight up, make, if you were straight yeah. up to make this movie in. 1940 whatever somehow or whatever and you know change the plot accordingly or not it would literally be the two of them and it would well, be the same exact kind of you know vibe. you know what you know what not to look uh, once again i think scarlett johansson is immensely talented you know what would have made we bought a zoo better emily blunt instead of give me a little blunt yeah, yeah let's get a little hey, blunt you know give me once. number two the, the following year we get uh we get <laughs> we another. bought it too but i mean we bought it too. So the adjustment bureau quickly, uh, which I suppose would be kind of hard, but not that hard. Actually, no, no, no. Is, I think we can. We can. Figure uh, it's based on, and you can correct me, Connor, a Philip K. Dick uh, short story, I correct? Believe. Called the adjustment and, team. Sure. Mm-hmm. And what if there was a bureau that adjusted our lives based on f- the faded uh, directions? of an all-knowing being. What if, Connor, Mm -hmm. that was happening and we didn't even know it? It's like a little dark city, right? Obviously, which we talked to Darius Walski, who lends Dark City, um, if you know that movie. And basically the simple plot of the movie, it's uh, written and directed by George Nolfi. Um, The quick primer on him is he was the guy who kind of came in and to hear Matt Damon talk about it, like saved the Bourne ultimatum. If you guys remember, Matt Damon had that interview where he like eviscerated Tony Gilroy. And he was, was that the like, Entertainment Weekly interview? I w- I'm gonna I'll find it and I'll yeah. put it in the in the in the article. But like, was it from like 2007 or eight? Like, I don't. I have to. Fi- I think it was even later because it was after Bourne. Oh, like okay. it was pre pre pre, pre uh, Jason Bourne. But like, I think it was like circa 2012 Bourne uh, Legacy. Okay, got it. Which obviously Tony Gilroy directed, but it's like Damon's like, let me tell you something about Gilroy. If I put up the script he handed in for Ultimatum, the dude wouldn't have a career anymore. And like you're like, whoa. And he like I think since kind of apologized for for that, if I'm not mistaken. But um, anyway, Nolfi gets a writing credit on Ultimatum, and to hear Damon talk about it, I do think Nolfi like he felt Nolfi came in and rescued it a bit mm-hmm. so okay now of course a very you know the next thing nolfi does or one of the next things nolfi does is um the adjustment bureau which is starring Matt damon and so the simple premise of this movie is uh damon plays david norris who's a new york city politician who in the beginning of the movie due to a past gaffed in his college life where he like mooned people which to think now i, I don't think would even we'll get into make, it there is so much but, that feels so quaint right it's like oh movie, dude but... you didn't like you know anyway no, yeah I go make, on i don't even want to make jokes no, but anyway no, 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 go on. so he has a political there's a political gaffe like on the night of the election um he's running for i believe it's senator and um he he loses everything he even loses uh Kings County, which is his uh, you Home, know, hometown yeah. borough, Brooklyn. And um, he's getting ready to give his concession speech in a beautiful banquet hall. And by by pure chance, he runs into Emily Blunt in the men's bathroom, who is like crashing a wedding in the same banquet hall. And they there's an immediate attraction. And, and she's amazingly – this is like 
you know, every writer in the world should watch this scene. Like, what is a meat cute when it it's, works? What does it look so like? It's just like incredibly and, and charming. Way, I'm yeah. glad you said that. And I mentioned this to you off mic, uh, I think when I was rewatching the that's movie. Right, that's right. It, it was you something. Did, yes. I'm glad you brought this up because I forgot about it. But I do think this is legitimately the crucial to the i'll say this if this movie works for you if you've seen the movie um i guarantee you it's because of what i'm about to say which is the movie so understands the power of its leads and has such confidence in their chemistry to take its structure and we'll again we'll talk about it a little bit more with the plot but to take its structure and allow for not one not two but three meat cutes between yeah. these people and it's legit the first half of the movie is those three yes. meat cutes and it's such a propulsive force because they're so fucking charming together that and again i say this as someone who loves the movie and it totally worked for me i can i can understand maybe someone being a little more cynical and maybe not really jiving with with it because the movie is very uh earnest and idealistic and you know so but that said the three meat cutes are so good that you know when the kind of crux really starts to hit in the middle of the movie of trying to keep these people apart you're like no but those meat cutes are so good like they yeah. have they have to be together well it becomes like the plot it becomes yeah. like the, the linchpin of the movie is like they're clearly meant to be together and that's the problem. So basically they have this quick interaction, but it gets broken up because the cops are chasing her and they don't really exchange names. Um, obviously she knows his name, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and she says something, she basically inspires him in a way to not give up basically. And this becomes more important later. Cut to I don't I can't remember, but it's like uh, uh, maybe a couple years or a few well, months it, down the road. Or it whatever. is it is important though. After he meets her in the bathroom, because of what she says, he goes out and he gives his concession speech, but he throws away like a canned concession speech, and he just kind right. Of, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he because of this interaction, he's inspired to kind of get honest with the people, and it goes you know viral for yeah, 2010, yeah, yeah, yeah right. and kind of sparks that like. You know, Beto O'Rourke, like, oh, he lost, but we love him. You know, that's a good, you know, that's, type a, of thing. that's a good, eh, comp, yeah. I guess, yeah. But, um, so yes, point being, then down the road, by pure happenstance, once again, they he sees her, they run into each other on the bus, and this time, these men in fedoras that we've been seeing watch everything. Uh, and one of them is young Anthony Mackie, right? And another um, is not as young uh, John Slattery, right? And uh, and it, it's Anthony Mackie's fault that this meet was allowed to happen, as we learn. Um, this is a problem that they've met again because they do exchange information. There is like a plan for a date. There is like a full on meet cute number two, Connor, as you said. And so at this point. Because their paths have caused, you know, their face to diverge way, way far away from the plan. John Slattery and Anthony Mackie and the crew step in with their suits and their fedoras um, to say to David Doris, hey, dude, we're going to rip up that number. 
and you can't ever call her again because this is the way the world works. You know, we froze time. Uh, your buddy, Michael Kelly, we froze him. And, and it's, we're, it's funny because this is Michael Kelly pre House of Cards, but in, it's like right but, pre, right? But it's like, yeah, the year it's before. like, it's like yeah. right before, but it is basically the same role just like the nice version of it <laughs> like, yeah the very yeah much nicer <laughs> yes but it's true it's like campaign manager yeah yeah so um yeah oh, god yeah wow, house of cards that show that was like a full show that was just on <laughs> that show just happened like we a lot of us watched i watched most of it i, I watched a good chunk i watched of like sure. most of that show oh, i think i watched like four seasons yeah hey man Three a lot seasons. of people in dc had good work for a long time sure you know? sure yeah Anyway, um, so yeah, this meeting, right? The number gets ripped up. Another chunk of time goes by. He's trying to find her, but in the meantime, he's running again for election. And then he takes the thing is this time it's, it, it is a meet cue, but it's a little bit more forced because he like takes the same bus. He ran into her on every day for three years type of a right. thing so that he can maybe run into her again. And sure enough, eventually he does, despite the warnings from the adjustment bureau, he runs into her. And this time he's not going to let her go. And she's a dancer. Her name's Elise. We finally learn whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And there's a comical sequence where like, there's all these attempts to stop them from reconnecting, but he fights against it. And then finally our man T stamp, Terrence Stamp jumps yep. in, looking just dashing in Very his dashing, adju yeah. adjustment look. And he gives, which I do think is, like you said, Connor, a, a more cynical person might fight against this. But I do think is the reason I do think the movie's like a soft masterpiece, which is he, he takes Dave and he's like, look, let's go watch her dance, right? Here's the deal. If you stay with her, you both will settle, right? If you, you love her, we know you love her, but if you get her, if you get each other, you'll settle and you won't become maybe president. You might become governor, right? You won't do the things that you've been angling to do ever since your brother tragically died, right? All these yeah. things, right? The, the implication basically being, and this is again where it gets kind of idealistic and, and you know, somewhat insane but this is, is this the, is the it, shit i love this shit no no, no i i get it i get it yeah i just I love this I, I, and i love this movie too i just on the rewatch i again as i say this because some people listening may have not seen this movie and maybe you should go watch it and i would encourage you to because i think it's a very good movie well and we'll stop but, this is where we'll stop yeah we with won't the, i don't think we should get we, into we won't, we won't ruin it but, no 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 yeah but it does the movie does hinge on this thing of the idea that somehow the politician that is Matt Damon is like maybe going to like change the course of like human history potentially. Right. Cause it is, well, this, I mean, I it think is also this cosmic you, ripple that I, seemingly will happen. I, I think you're meant to, I think that scene is meant to be read. Like Terrence Stamp might also be kind of blowing smoke up. Is that like, it's right. like a mix of like, yeah, there is truth. That's a good point. There is truth, but also there is not truth yeah. in that scene. You know, like who better than Terrence Stamp to deliver? No, that no, line no. It's it's a it's a really good scene, and it's set. The we haven't even mentioned it yet, uh, but we should say it's all got the backdrop of a fucking killer Thomas Newman score. Right. Who um, we 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 stand. I mean, truly yeah, stand. It's, it a really legend. is. It's a lovely score. 
Um, I'll put a little bit of it right here. And, uh, and it's, it, it, it's a big, I think to me, it's a big, uh, lift to the movie. Like, I mean, their chemistry is movie stars undeniable, obviously, but I do think Newman really does, you know, know, this feels like an oversimplification, but it does set the tone. I have said on this podcast, uh, what the thing I say about Thomas Newman is I think he makes, I always, I have said, I find that the music that he makes it sounds like what I think heaven yeah. would sound it's, like. There's an and, ethereal and quality to this exactly. score. This is a great version, a great example of e- if you thought that, you would have him score this movie yes, right. for that and, exact and reason. It's, and it, right out the gate, you kind of hear it, and it's the type of thing that you know you I think you need for a movie like this because of the magical realism and all that stuff that you just kind of need... It, it, this movie takes the same kind of swings that I would imagine. And I feel like there are going to be some people who are going to roll their eyes when I say this, but I, I'm going to say it because I love both movies. And I feel like the reason I love this movie I'm about to mention is the same reason I love the adjustment bureau, which is it's so adjustment bureau has this tinge of a matter of life and death to me. Oh yeah. Just the idea of taking something as simple as a romance between two people and, and then dressing it in this cosmic backdrop to at the end of the day really talk about nothing more than just the importance of being in love like sure man i don't know and i and again it's it's i think through a 2021 lens it's a little tougher to watch the movie and i totally i i don't think i would blame anybody who hasn't seen the movie watching it now and maybe rolling their eyes a little bit i can tell but you but, but you know when you talk about pal pressburger though and in matter of life and death uh you're right because 
it's just, it's very similar because the bureaucracy element of right. like yeah it's you get to that level of like oh it's heaven or it's whatever this that next place and it's like yeah and it's just middle managers no right? and it's like, just you know it's, like it's, or, you it's, know it's, right it's, it's not it's court it's, documents yeah it's not full whatever. of angels it's full of just yeah it's full of pencil pushers and, and i mean and you could ar- i mean i don't want to give away the ending actually but i would say you could argue the criticism i would levy at, at adjustment bureau would be that matter of life and death does not do is the end of the adjustment bureau without fully giving it away does get fairly too serious where, yes. where like yeah, yeah, yeah. where you go like matter life and death the chemistry and the love is in the heart is always there but it's like it's always tongue breezy. tongue yeah. is fully in cheek yeah, the yeah. whole time I, and i, I think if, th- if this movie did that it would maybe would have a few no, more that, fans that that's a good um, point. that's a good point um, but i mean look it's one of these movies like you know i don't know that there was a lot of faith in it the minute it got made i mean it was like a mo- it was like a mid to high budgeted studio picture that got dumped in february mm-hmm. and did like okay yeah for what it was it's like kind of your it's like a matt damon programmer right like yeah, where yeah. it's like it's not it came the great out like wall March, right it it's not out, yeah, right? yeah yeah i literally think it came out like in the adult like in the in the winter and the next movie yeah. i mean it was a focus features movie but it's a similar it's a similar program right? yeah I mean, it was the next it was basically right is it not the next year 2011 yeah 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 no, i mean they're back to back i would her. yeah as we move to salmon fishing i you know this is certainly a justin bureau my favorite movie the ones we'll cover i mean it's a movie I love, I own, I've watched many times. You know, it's a movie that just means a lot to me. And for that reason of, I do think that, I mean, it's a little, there's La La Land does this, um, Umbrellas of Cherbourg kind of does this, mm. right? Like when you give me a romance that I think properly underlines the, um, you know, these are, you know, hum, hum, we all live small lives, right? And 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 that's undeniable, no matter what you do, more or less, right? But the decisions you make in those lives feel monumental to you, and that's the whole thing with being human. It's like, you know, we're we're a speck in the universe, but to us, it means so much, and all these things, right? So. When you talk about love and you talk about commitment in these things and you put it in the context of a human being and the other decisions in their lives and you talk about what does settling mean and all of those things. Well, it's the dichotomy you, between greatness and happiness. Exactly. Right? And if you yeah. if you can if you can if you can really render that struggle in a way that feels real to you watching, I I know a few things as effective as that type of push pull and i think any person in the world knows what i'm talking about so it's like i think this movie for all of maybe the hokiness that we it might get criticized for i think at its core that through line and the actors you know damon and blunt asked to convey it it's very top notch and i think you know i i can't overstate how how important that is yeah no and i and i i I wholeheartedly agree i think really frankly there aren't it's not that this is a perfect movie but i just don't think there's a ton of calibration i would do to it 
other than what's already there. You know what I mean? Like it's it's right. You know, it's not unimpeachable. And I, don't, I frankly don't want to get into it because I like the movie. You like the movie. I recommend it. Watch it. Yeah. Um, and it's not without its shortcomings. But I do think those shortcomings, they just don't, you know, they fall away. I yeah, think. of course. Of course. Because so, so many things in it, particularly. And I do think it it's i do think blunt is the linchpin to bring it back to her specifically because i really just it is uh it is a little more matt damon's movie even though it's a movie about the romance between the two of them it's a little more his movie because it's he sort of bears the brunt of the gravity of the situation right um and all of his interactions with sort of the men behind the scenes in the adjustment bureau but I mean, she really is the linchpin because he you could kind of there are a number of super capable leading men, even circa 2020 or 2010, that you can maybe plug in. And it's not going to be the same exact movie and credit to Damon for like being charming and charismatic. But I do think she just does such a perfect job of being able to and like like i said before being able to like render someone who is undeniably like desirable and attractive in all sorts of ways without coming across as some kind of like bullshit fantasy it's like staggering to me like i actually don't like that's such a weird tough tricky thing to sell and she just like passes with flying colors but anyway um yeah like like a performance that you could maybe comp in a movie that's a little similar i mean different but a little similar is like meryl in defending your life yes it's a little you a, get a little bit of that that's a perp no it's a perfect thing which is also yeah. like a matter of life and death you're talking about yeah, yeah, similar to yeah. another great movie by the way yeah, yeah defending yeah. your life um yeah. so okay that's the adjustment bureau high recommend from both of us salmon fish in the yemen um i saw this in theaters a decade ago it came out in 2011 um it was released by actually Lionsgate, not Focus Features, so I was wrong about that. But it's directed by Lasse Hallstrom, who made Side of House Rules, a lot of Nicholas Sparks adaptations, uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, My Life is a Dog. Uh, I believe he made The the 100-Foot Journey recently, right? He's made a lot of like kind of nice movies, movies sure. that your parents probably like. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, Chocolat, Chocolat, <laughs> he made. Uh, we all remember Chocolat. And um, something to talk about with uh, Julia Roberts, like we said earlier. Anyway, Lassa Hallstrom, written by Simon Beaufoy, which is coming off of his Oscar win for a little movie called The Slumdog Millionaire. Ever heard of it? Uh, so (laughs) yep. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So salmon fishing in the the Yemen, Yemen. probably the most complicated plot we'll talk about, but even though Arthur Newman has a weirdly complicated plot, but yeah, yeah. but, um, salmon fish. I don't want to jump ahead, but weirdly does wild mountain time have the simplest plot we're going to do? Yes. And (laughs) and when I defend and when I defend wild mountain time, which I know, I mean, the minority, I, we will talk about, I don't want to, sorry, I don't want to spoil it. No, I'm just saying, we'll talk about how I think the criticism is a bit, it's focusing on something where I'm like, I think the movie's yeah. aware, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry, or whatever. Go. Sorry, salmon fishing in the Yemen. He's cynical. We live in a cynical time. I we live say. in, in a, a cynical, cynical world. Cynical world. Um, um, 
spoken by a sports agent. But that's why the movie's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. This movie. So basically, blah, 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 blah. Some fish in the Yemen. So you have salmon. And you want to go fishing, but you're in the Yemen. What do you do about it? That's the question. Oh, um, no, but Ewan seriously. McGregor, who works for. And well, Emily Blunt hires you, McGregor. Well, so, right. Sure. The long and the short of this movie is the war in Afghanistan is going on. Obviously, US and Britain are in there fighting it. Um, there's bad news every day. Uh, of course, there is because it's a war and terrible things are happening. Um, so. Uh, and this is based on a novel. So I don't think, and this is funny. I guess I always thought this was a true story, but it's not. It's, right? There's no, like. Not to my knowledge. Yeah, there's no, I guess, in, that, in my head, I always. wants to add us. Because like, it, 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 you know what I mean? It feels it like. It feels, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It feels like something. Like you would that, be like, oh, yeah, the salmon fishing you know, thing. Well, no. They you made a it, movie about it. No, that. no, do you know what it feels like? It feels like something that, like had like a new yorker article or so, something yeah, like, yeah, yeah like oh like, do you remember in 05 when there was that salmon fishing story and they made a movie about it because the guy who wrote slumdog millionaire won an oscar you know whatever <laughs> but it's based on a novel uh by paul tordy uh torday rather uh from 07 and the the basic gist of the movie is a guy named alfred jones dr jones he's a fisheries expert and he basically he works for the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, and yeah, essentially the prime minister's press secretary, uh, who's played by Kristen Scott Thomas, who's very good in this. I think. I, oh, she's yeah. great. She's. In this. I, I think she's the MVP. Great she's the MVP of the movie in this movie. Yeah, she's fielding pitches from her cohort cohorts, basically saying it's all explosions and death, uh, and are the UK. Arab relations have never looked worse because obviously, right? Right. And we need a feel good story. We need a feel good story. And what has happened is this woman who's this financial advisor, her name is Harriet uh, Shitwood Talbot. And that is that name is the is the butt of many half jokes in this movie, yeah. but but um, not even the, many, the, like one half joke that keeps getting. Well, and it's just the idea <laughs> being she has a long, she has a long. Yeah, so sure. um, that's Emily Blunt. She reached out to Doctor Jones, who's played by Ewan McGregor, about the potential, if it's even possible, to have there be to to invent to bring salmon fishing to the Yemen, which is something that the wealthy sheik wants to have happen and what and will bankroll yeah and dr jones being an old stick in the mud is like uh lady <laughs> no no time for love, salmon will never be able to be fished in the yemen uh thank you good day <laughs> but of course Kristen scott thomas is like oh of all these ideas they're all horrible and the one that's only kind of bad is the salmon fishing in the Yemen idea. Let me pitch it to the prime minister, see what he thinks. I might get fired though. It's such a stupid idea. Salmon fishing in Yemen. Who would ever think of that? Who would ever write a book that would then get made into a semi-hit movie from 2011? And of course the PM loves it. And all of a sudden, uh-oh, there's an email trail by this financial advisor who has, you know, connections with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas. And now Dr. Jones, Ewan McGregor, is been uh, basically blackmailed by his boss to make this happen by hook or by crook, or at the very least, see it through. And if it fails, whatever the sheik's paying for it, who cares? 
And we have Emily Blunt's character is in a very quick, dirty relationship with a soldier who has been sent overseas. Ewan McGregor's character is in a kind of slowly crumbling marriage with a woman who is, you know, a work first person who's leaves for months at a time to do her job. And he can't really see the writing on the wall. And these two lonely souls are brought together in the Yemen to figure out how to make salmon fishable. And a romance ensues. And I would say, you know, I said it before, you know, this once again, lofty comparison, though it may be, this does feel like the type of kind of high uh, concept pitch that a Tracy Hepburn Sure. Duo would do in 2011 in a world with the wars overseas going on. Yeah. And, and, and it's very much a movie that is almost it's like it's like one of those movies where the movie itself is doing the thing that they're doing in the movie, which is like, look, we know the situation in Afghanistan's horrible, and we don't want to undercut that. But no, we're the gonna- movie, it's it's surprisingly yeah. self-aware, which like, yes. I, so I had never seen this movie. Oh, okay, and okay. I, yeah, I had never seen it. And so, but have I, question, have you been salmon fishing? Yes. In the Yemen? Yes, actually. Ooh. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't fucking know. Uh, no, I, would, I, I, I would, know. It would be the greatest the, thing in the world if you were I don't like, know the no, first. Dan, that wasn't a bit. I, I have literally been salmon fishing. <laughs> um, no, I just, I wasn't exp- I. I wasn't expecting to not roll my eyes as much. Right, as you weren't ex- you weren't yeah. expecting any nuance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I, I went into this kind of actually fully prepared to really dislike it, frankly. And I came out kind of not dislike. You know, I I, 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 I didn't love I, it, but yeah, and it's I, got I, problems. I re- but I I rewatched it today with the same like, oh, I liked this ten years ago, but I'm sure I was wrong, yeah. and I was certainly like, oh, you know. More of it you know, works than I assumed would work, frankly. Yeah, and there is an honesty. Like, Kristen Scott Thomas's whole character, who she's just this, like, just brutal, <laughs> like, been through it all, like, could yeah. give a shit. Yeah. Like, Which I you kind know, this, of respect. Like, like there's, there's, a, there's like, a whole thing on the phone yeah. while her kids are leaving for school. And she's like, how old was the girl? Like, what was he doing? Like, yeah. referencing, like, a politician. And and and, he, and she's like, well, at least she was legal. Put out a conference saying this. If the kids are ugly, get a dog. And you're like, I'm like, oh, my Whoa. God. Yeah. But it's, like, kind of funny. No, it's no, like no. Very it's, I mean, like, it's funny. It's definitely funny. Yeah. I, she, and that's kind of And, like, I her think, kids hate her. It's, like, yeah, a whole, it's funny. It's she's weirdly the heart and soul of the movie in terms of being indicative of the spirit of the movie does that make yeah, sense like yeah, yeah. or at least certainly like the well that's my point With, without yeah. without her because like the other uh, the, the things that work less right are like they're the things that you would obviously think would work and like and you said this earlier to know that the guy who wrote slumdog wrote this and he's the, this, the white british guy who wrote, right you yeah, go like well, yeah. okay well it tracks yes <laughs> yeah we're like the things that are good and charming they're similar right where it's like i think slumdog is i think a victim of and this happens to a lot of movies where it's like it it's overloved at the time and then 
overly hated after. And then when you're kind of like, well, let's like, let's take a breather on either side. No, and I think think this movie kind of nets out where that movie nets out in reality, which is like the things that work really work. I would and, argue, and but I would even are argue problems are problems, and that and, you know, and but I would argue. I mean, this is funny to say this because I, I, I don't even. I mean, I guess I would like Slumdog more than this, but but I would argue this is even a, a more mature yes. script than that one. No, no, no in, a, a even mil- in terms of the issues, I, I think like, a million percent because I think you're also not it. You're also not you know you're not um, distracted or or kind of cushioned by the Danny Boyle style to like make light of everything. There, yes, there's a there's, true. a there's a granted this movie has a very like light touch in terms of its aesthetic. It's not it's a pretty glossy movie. It's not really well I mean look there's Lassa Hallstrom really... yeah I mean the Lassa Hallstrom shoots coverage. Right? Yeah yeah I mean, no no no, he, no. Mean, it's the, you know. it's a, it it is frankly a relatively uninteresting movie visually. But the the I but to your point like I think because of that, it's a little bit more frank about what it's dealing with. And like, so again, I mean, obviously big problem aside of like just the weird mechanics of having to tell the story. And you obviously make it about the two white people who fall in love during this process or whatever. Granted, like, I also don't know if you want. Well, and like the Simon, chic, like the like the the thing I forgot where I was. He's like, like oh, a magical yeah. character, which is like, yeah, and he's like, and he's like matchmaker, and you're like, yeah. ooh, yeah, that's tough. But it's like you also get nice scenes, though. It's like hard with this stuff, right? Because no, it's like I, I agree because it's the the gentleman who plays the sheik, whose name I just want to make sure I get it right is um, it's uh, Amr uh, Amr Waked, yeah. Is is a very charming guy, and he has this great moment quite early you know he's on in the film. What's he in? Lucy. Oh, he's Lucy. He's Lucy. <laughs> no, but but so but he has a quite a charming moment with Ewan McGregor uh, about a third of the way into the picture, where he's like, "Oh, uh, Doctor Jones, are you not a religious man?" And you know, and Ewan McGregor, who's playing way against type, we did it. We did it. This would have been a good Ewan B side. Yeah, yeah. Ewan is like. He's like, well, let me do something where I don't. There's let nothing the about most, the most boring, like human. None of my, none of my, none of my seductiveness, none of my electricity. Like, let me just do a totally different thing. Yeah. And 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 he does an okay job at it. I think. I think it's a well, pretty it's the, good. Yeah, performance. it's the character, right? It's, it's yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, he does an okay job. Yeah. And he has this nice moment where uh, he's like, oh no, I'm not religious. You know, I you know I believe in science and whatnot. And the sheik is like. And yet you go fishing and you go fishing for hours and how many, you know, fish do you catch? Yeah, they, and, you know, yeah. and, and is there not something religious in, in having the that faith being that a worthwhile a pursuit yeah. in the faith yeah. of that? And I was like, you know, that's nice. And so, no, there, there are a couple moments you know. like that. And I think, I think there's something on paper that is, that could be nice. Again, not in this specific story, but in the framework, right? Of the, whoever the person in power is that's basically bankrolling this endeavor. I like the idea of making that super serious person, the matchmaker, right? I think there's, there's some levity to it that it's kind of nice or whatever, but yeah, it just, I don't know. It, it like, I think this movie tries really hard to have that levity with, while also to your point earlier, not undermining the severity of the geopolitical framework 
And I don't know if it's entirely successful at that. So I think I, I think that's kind of a harder thing to swallow. That said, it, it I do think this movie basically works on the frankly, the most hands off terms, right? Like if you're just kind of kind of like let it roll, it's it's basically a pleasing movie, right? Um, well, and like, yeah, the best moments, and this is a credit to Emily Blunt, uh, Kristen Scott Thomas aside, yeah. the best moments are Emily Blunt just getting a kick out of Ewan McGregor's stuck upness. Like, sure. yeah, that's yeah, yeah. funny. Yeah. Like, she, and that's the thing about her where it doesn't even seem like she's trying, right? Like, we're talking about where it's yeah. like, her just like giggling, chuckling at him just being kind and, of a dick, but also just like not fully aware of it. Frankly, and she like makes a joke about Asperger's, which is a totally like, that's a very, I guess, I, but I guess it's not, I guess it's like not an appropriate joke, but it's like, a, look. Yeah, they're not making, it's they're a, like not making fun of it. It's more they, but it's a look, it's yeah. a joke you would make about a guy like Dude McGregor because sure. he's, he's like, just one of those people, and we all know people like this, whether or not they're on the spectrum, you would say, like, they there's a social element there that they're just maybe not tuned into, whatever that means in terms of kind of the chemical component of whatever. Like, it's just... Sure. She, and it's not... I, in my personal opinion, I, you never get the feeling she's, like, making fun of him. No, not she's, at all. It's, she's that's what I was just, say. It's never yeah. using... It doesn't use it as a joke. It's just her sort of off the cuff being like amused by it and sort of just being like, are, are you on the spectrum? Like, cause, cause that, and you can even argue like, she, like, she's like, that would explain she, it. She's like, like charmed by it. Right. Yeah. This like, he's just, he can't help himself. Right. Type of a thing, the, which the I thing think to, is nice. I am one thing that I do think the movie is overall successful at. And again, I think this is why it's, it's both sort of a success and a failure of the movie because it fails to kind of take anything too seriously. But uh, for both better and worse. And I will say in, in the better category, it manages its love triangle. Um, I think pretty effectively without ever veering into melodrama. And so Emily Blunt has that very serious relationship with the soldier who goes to Afghanistan and goes missing. And the way she deals with it, basically every step of the way, like feels appropriate. Like she feels appropriately devastated by it. The movie sort of appropriately conveys that, but they never once get into like any kind of super just sob story scenes or anything. It never gets crazy melodramatic. And frankly, even when things get complicated near the end of the movie, Again, it, it never kicks into high gear in any way that makes you want to roll your eyes. It plays out weirdly for a movie that has an absurd premise, I think, fairly realistically um, oh, yeah. in terms yeah. of the way. And even, frankly, like Ewan McGregor's relationship with his wife, there's nothing really melodramatic there either. It's almost seems horrifyingly plausible, right? He's in this like loveless marriage that certainly makes her seem like a villain, but not in any kind of like overwritten monstrous way, just in a way that you're like, Oh, she just, she seems like a tough person to deal with or be married to. Like it's just, well, I think, it, yeah, like I something said about it that feels very yeah, real. I, and I think yeah. those parts of the movie and those aspects of the movie are pretty effective. Mm. Um, 
I just think... Yeah, they do their job, I think. Yeah, to your point. Yeah, and I think... But if you only had those parts and you didn't have, say, the Kristen Scott Thomas role counterbalancing some of this stuff with like, hey, this is like with a frankly satirical bent, right? And just being like, hey, this is all bullshit, right? Like, then the movie, I think, is a complete disaster as opposed to being maybe like a a a problematic success. You know, I don't know where right. we want to like land on it but no no i mean and i think you know in 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 so many ways it's in a very old-fashioned movie which i think is maybe part of the reason we're we're kind of giving it a pass because it's just like even 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 at the end you know and we don't need to give it away not that it would really matter because you can obviously kind of get where it's going you know just by the premise but even the ending is like very like the ending itself is old fashioned. We're like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, well it's this, and then it's that, and then it's like the story continues, right? But you know, not that there would ever be a sequel, but like it's literally like a happy ending type, you know? And you yeah, go yeah, like, yeah. wow, that's a very, I mean, everything about it is so modest, and even to the point of like the budget itself, right? Is like to read about it, it's like fourteen and a half uh, million makes 34 and a half million and you go like yeah uh, sure like that's yeah it's a classic you know where i'm from plays up in rhinebeck for two months movie and you know every person over the age of 50 sees it and you know and that's a nice thing i'm not i don't mean that in a disparaging way like i i saw it 10 years ago and i was 22 and i I enjoyed it it, but i'm saying you know like it's a movie, uh, and all the, I mean, you mentioned all the other Lassa Hallstrom movies, like it's right in there in that same kind of category, which is like, yeah, I could tell my mom to, to go on do showtime right now and watch salmon fishing in the Yemen. And she'd probably be like, oh, that was a, delight. a movie, you a know, movie, like, by, um, yeah, a movie uh, for, for whatever you want to take that as right. Like, but that's just kind of where, and, where it is. And I'll say, like, we'll probably never, this is such a B-side, we'll probably never get to this, but maybe we already did a Jennifer Lopez episode, but if we do another one, or I don't know, but um, a, a couple years, a few years before this movie, Lasse Hallstrom made a movie, and mostly he makes hit movies for all of the criticism he gets, but this movie was not a hit, but it's a movie I always liked, and I, I even rewatched it recently, and I thought it was still basically good, which is this movie, An Unfinished Life, with oh yeah robert redford mm-hmm. um uh i believe it's robert redford morgan freeman jennifer lopez and i think it's josh lucas actually and it's like just a nice kind of movie about like people just trying to get on with their lives and it's just one of those things where it's like that of all the ones of all of the lots of Hallstrom movies to get not to to get lost in the shovel that's one where i'm like right. oh that one got lost in the shovel because i actually <laughs> think that's like a pretty good one but anyway um so yeah i mean that's salmon fishing in yemen there's fishing there's salmon i will say yemen. It's, it's just as a an aside it's weird to see uh conleth hill with hair because oh I'm yeah the so way used, yeah yeah because yeah, he's the uh spider or whatever what's his name uh, uh in the Isn't show. spider in in any he's um i can't th- he's very he has all of his li- he's various various in yeah. in game of thrones but yeah. what does he call his is all of his like i think I they have, do they I have does ears he call all them the his spider anyway yeah i think they call him this but anyway 
it's just it i'm so used to just him basically looking like a large baby that it was just weird to see him uh with something on top of his head yeah this but, is this is pre-game of uh, thrones he um, and ewan kind of have a fun repartee too and all their they all do their scenes they do so okay arthur newman now i guess before we get to arthur newman and i know i think it's actually just the next year as a matter of fact but um yeah but um you know we totally skipped over Romeo and Juliet, my God. Oh, God. Um, but she's in How your sister's. You, <laughs> she's in your sister's sister, which is directed by the late great Lynn Shelton. That's a movie worth watching. Yeah. She, she, um, is Rosemary DeWitt in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She reprises her role from Devil Wears Prada for a moment in the Muppets. Right. She's Miss Piggy's uh, receptionist. Right. She's in the Five Year Engagement, which was a big comedy that did not. Uh, make a could, lot of money i mean frankly could be a b-side if we wanted to. <laughs> i guess it's kind of it was a big movie when it came out it just didn't hit i mean it's i remember somebody reading a review and kind of putting it well where it's like the time of engagement tends to be a stressful time for most couples because you're like planning the wedding so like to make a movie about that time just going long is like not that fun you know like right. to make a romantic comedy about that and i actually yeah. As memory serves, I, I think that was a spot on. I can't for the life of me. I can't think of where I read that. This is years ago now, but I remember. I remember that being uh, a, a clean criticism, smart criticism. But that same year uh, is Looper, as we mentioned, and then in a very uh, lesser seen way, Arthur Newman, which um, it was actually released in 2013, but premiered in festivals, I believe, TIFF in specifically. In 2012, directed by Dante Ariola, um, and written by Becky Johnston, who was nominated, as I said before, for an Oscar for writing The Prince of Tides. Other critics include Seven Years in Tibet and Under the Cherry Moon. Um, this movie, you want Connor, to take this one. I'm going to let you go, yeah. but but please, I'll be quick. Keep it brief because yeah. we're going to be brief about this. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I'll be quick. Um, so Arthur Newman is basically it's an alias. and that's time. That's time. Thanks, Connor. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> uh, Arthur Newman is the alias of Colin Firth's character, whose real name is Wallace Avery. He's a sort of washed up, right on the line between has been and never was, because he he basically is this golf, golf pro yeah. who. Yeah kind of makes it to the PGA and then sort of chokes, right? Yeah, the implication um, in flashbacks way too late in the movie yes, is that right. he was a a hot prospect who made it to the tour, but then basically got the golf version of the yips, which is to say, like, he, in moments of pressure, basically forgot how to play golf. Yeah. And, right. and you know, and, and, and never recovered from it. Yeah. So, um, essentially he wants to escape his life. So he fakes his own death and essentially leaves behind his girlfriend who I actually think is pretty, it's well, well portrayed by Anne Hage. I think she does a pretty good job in this movie. She's not in a ton of it, but it was kind of nice to see her. Uh, and then he also has a young son uh, who in this movie is little Lucas Hedges and uh, a wife who uh, an ex-wife, I should say, uh, who is Lucas Hedges mom. But 
um, in his sort of, so he fakes his own death and, uh, M. Emmett Walsh helps him do it. It's kind of an actually nice little cameo. You see him, you're like, oh yeah, he gives him all his, you know, his new identity of Arthur Newman, which, uh, Colin Firth picks out himself and he is making his way to Indiana because someone sort of offhandedly had promised him, uh, that, that he could be a resident pro at this person's club. Right. So in sort of a way to at least regain some of his dignity in the golfing world, he decides to to abandon his life and do this thing. He then very quickly comes across uh, Mike. <laughs> I just yeah, it's such just the, the going by Mike. Just Michaela, me. Michaela, yeah. uh, a woman named Michaela, played by Emily Blunt, um, uh, whose real name is actually Charlotte, but she you know, she goes by Michaela because she's also using an alias of a mentally ill sister that she has, twin sister that she has. Uh, and it's kind of this thing of they realize they're both doing the same thing of pretending to be other people while they're running away from their past. So as they go on this road trip, it's sort of them getting to know each other, both metaphorically and physically, uh, as they start to do things like, say, role play as other people in their houses when they're not home and like... So I don't know. It's a whole thing. I mean, that's am I wrong? That's like basically the movie. Am I missing any? Yeah, broader no, that, here? that's like, that's the movie. It's, it, a, it's a road. It's a road trip. Movie, yeah, it's a road ultimately. Movie. Um, and yeah, you know, the most. And I feel like I'm taking this from the New York Times review, which I'll link to in the article. But um, the most interesting part of the movie is they are, as you said, what they kind of do is they like will follow people that they're interested in and they'll go to their houses when they're not there and like role play as them and like have sex and like make jokes. And yeah, it's, it's presented as harmless. And then ultimately it's revealed to not maybe be as harmless as we thought. Yeah. And it's a whole other part. And it's like a very like you can understand, I suppose, why if you're Emily Blunt or Colin Firth, you take the role in terms of just kind of your stretching elements of your repertoire and like you're playing against type in a lot of ways. And and I don't think I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't think I, I think they're both fine. You know, like I don't I don't really think either of them are kind of at sea in this movie. Um, yeah. I think Colin Firth leaves a bit to be desired. If I'm no, being sure, it, it's it's a little like his casting is a little perplexing. But again, if what and even if, like stuff like he's like this is I'm no I'm no pro golfer, but I have golfed <laughs> and and like even his golf swing, you're like I don't know. Yeah, I don't that know didn't. If, like, I mean, I'll say this as a uh, as a person who has only golfed like twice ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know if I noticed that or or. No, I know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. It's yeah. a little weird though because it. I mean, are we are we cool to just spoil this one? I think we can spoil okay. it. Yeah. So and it's it's not even really a spoiler because it's something that gets brought up early in the movie and it's a good point. But when when Wallace relates to Charlotte, Mike, whatever. Uh, that why he's leaving and, and what he's going to do, which is to go to this club in Indiana to get this position that was just promised to him offhand. She sort of makes fun of him, rightly so, because she's just kind of like, so you just, aban- you literally like upended your whole life on some 
like forgettable nothing offhanded promise from a guy you only met once and the whole the whole crux of it is when he met this guy who promised him this job he had fixed his golf swing which is why he promised it to him but the name he gives this guy is arthur newman like he lies about his name so that's the reason he chooses the arthur newman alias and they get to indiana right and they see this dude and the guy doesn't give him the job because the guy is basically like, yeah, I Googled Arthur Newman and he doesn't exist. So like, who the hell are you? Well, and also, and I mean, this is what, I mean, this is the stuff you, you run into this where it's like, I mean, this is like fundamental script problems, yeah, right? right. You know, where, that, where, that's, where, where, I guess, that's, I guess what I'm saying is like the two but, of but them like, in this movie, I think are basically okay. And I think eh, really yeah. most of the shortcomings are just, are, or is it comes from the well, but like that exact, I mean, that exact point though, where it's like for even forget about him using a fake name, the guy would know eventually that he was Wallace Avery, right? Because you get like the he idea. plays golf, yeah, yeah, like it would be like yeah. it would be like if I'm working on my basketball game and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I play bad, I'm not like some great basketball player, but I play it if you know, uh. Keldon Jones, who's a young basketball player, you know, is like, hey, I'll help you with your game. And he gives me another name. At a certain point, I'm going to watch a game and be like, or oh look my at God, a Twitter yeah. thing and be like, oh, that's the guy who plays on the Spurs. Like, yeah, it's a right. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just the whole. And they do this. I mean, and the problem with this is the problem with the road trip stuff. Like, yeah. when you get into this stuff, it's like, well, then. Why are we watching this? Right, you just go yeah. into this like this is, and it's like, and you never really. So okay, he's professional life. You know, he says at one point, "Oh, I spend more time with the caddy than I do with my son." That's what my wife said. It's like okay, but like these are not good enough reasons. I, I mean, frankly, honestly, you know what would be a better reason is to literally just kind of call it what it is and literally have him just be like, yeah, no, I freaked out and and had a midlife crisis and wanted to run away from my life. Like, do you know what I mean? Like there's almost like a weird, well, look, well, well, look, straightforwardness yeah, it's a John, that would have benefited the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, like just do, do rabbit run and make it a John update character and yeah. like make him immensely more unlikable and really run in, run into it. And as opposed to whatever this is, which is like, He's kind of a comatose guy. It's like Yeah, it's not And let me just quickly correct myself. Keldon Johnson is who I was referencing, not uh, Keldon Johnson. Ironically. <laughs> so maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe you're wrong. No, it's but yeah, no, to that point, it just I, yeah, the likability like isn't there. And like to be clear, by the end of the movie, right, right. they basically both decide, which it's the only logical conclusion of the movie, frankly, is that they both have to return to their lives, right? They both, they can't keep running away, right? right? And that the Arthur Newman was the friends they made along the way. Exactly, exactly. No, but the idea that, like, there's a weird implication, because they do seemingly, I guess, fall in love, right? So, and the weird implication is that maybe he'll look her up, because he does, he'll, like, she's hesitant to go back to her life and he mentions like don't worry i'll know where to find you you know whatever and so you get the idea that maybe they'll maintain some kind of a connection whether it's uh, whatever but it is a little weird because it's like it actually the movie takes a ton of time to check in on Anne Heche and lucas hedges right and weirdly forgets about Anne Heche like completely and it's 
kind of weird and sort of mean, like in my mind, like because it literally is like he's going back to like try and be a good dad to his son. Okay, cool. And that's the note, at least for his character, that the movie ends on. But like doesn't address at all the trauma that he just put Anne Hage through. Well, because they all, like you said, they all think he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and granted, it's it's weird. I mean, the movie does have kind of like Anne Hayes should like slap him or yes, something. Right? right. Like, there should yeah, be some right. kind. Maybe be relieved that he's back or whatever. But yeah, and, like slap him and then hug him. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, what, you know, like, like whatever. It just it feels. I don't know. It's really weird. It just it for a movie that's seemingly it's like at once very straightforward and also extremely convoluted and strange. It's very it's a very strange movie. Um I don't know if we have to go that much further into it. I will just say, no. I, I will just say, I think, you know, not I, to your point earlier about the performances, just to speak to the Emily Blunt portion of it. I think she's fine in this. She's playing a version of a character. And I'd be curious to see how this script got kicked around because it does feel, and I kind of, I don't really mean this as a compliment, but this does feel like a script that would have crossed one of our desks when we were doing script coverage, like sure. years and years ago. Right. Like, and so, which is to say this feels like a movie that kind of, but like, it's a movie I would have passed on at the time or whatever, or just kind of like glossed over it. But it feels like maybe if this same movie got made in like Oh seven or even Oh five, it would have been met with like a lot more I mean, if, if fanfare is not the word, but maybe certainly a softer reception. Well, and uh, we, we talked, we talked very briefly about this with Chris file. Um, you know, the accidental tourist from the late eighties is a movie that was lauded with awards and was a hit movie. And, you know, Lawrence Kasdan wrote and directed it, if I'm remembering correctly, and it's William Hurt and Kathleen Turner's in it. And, um, and I can't remember. Gina Davis is the kind of pixie dream girl in that movie. And that movie is a similar, like a guy unhappy in his life, partly due to a tragedy, partly due to other things, kind of goes off and tries to find himself. And in the meantime, finds love and da-da-da-da-da, whatever. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing, I just think, gets received with a little bit more of a shrug and a, and a criticism of the guy, probably rightfully so in 2013. Uh, And it's just 2012, 2013. And even then, I'm even thinking of the depictions of say like the Emily Blunt character. Like I think, I think in the early two thousands, that's this same role gets played. And she like, maybe frankly, squeaks out some kind of a nomination at some award ceremony for it like do you know what i mean like it seems like that kind of role yeah like a golden globe nom yeah yeah yeah. and sort of like a you know like a damaged goods as it were or whatever i feel gross saying that but like that kind of tropey character and i just feel like for this movie to come out when it does you're sort of like oh you're still doing this and i think that's frankly how people reacted to it right like it was just i think all the things on display in this movie were things that we had been getting from, you know, indie cinema for 10 years. And it just kind of, yeah, a little bit, it came too late. A little bit. Yeah. That's all I'll say about it. Um, what time is it, Dan? 9.35. No, no, no. It's wild mountain time. (laughs) Uh, but keep that in. It was 9.35 when you made that joke. Keep it in. (laughs) 
Oh, that's oh it. Oh my god! I was so looking forward to making that joke. You have no idea. Um, oh <laughs> man. Anyway, wild mountain time. Written and directed. Written by by John Patrick. John Shanley. Patrick Shanley, the man who gave us Joe versus the volcano. Which we, we talked about a, in our Meg Ryan wrote, Or no, we talked about it in our Tom Hanks episode. I believe so. Yeah. He wrote Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. He wrote and directed Doubt based on his own play. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a lot of ways, a guy who appropriately is lauded as an incredible creator. And I think, you know, so... Um, I can briefly do the synopsis for this. It's essentially we're in the country in Ireland. I, real quick, this is, yes. this, is ahead, la- this is the <laughs> this is the last movie we're gonna cover. Oi. I think we should spoil it because I think we gotta talk about it. Yeah, that, we gotta sure. So I will say, but I frankly, listener, I do think you should watch this movie because I believe it's a, it's, it's available on, on as Hulu. We, as we record this, it's available on Hulu. I do think you should watch this movie. You may be very mad that I just said that, and eh. and so whether you you just you won't be mad you watched it. I don't know. It's it is. You want to be mad you watched it? <laughs> uh, why can't you say you like my hat? That's a, a lot of that going on. Wild Mountain Time. Um, but that's all I'll say. I just want to give the quick like we're beautiful gonna, we'll score, go, lovely score. Uh, I think lovely photography. Call, yeah. Oh, um, the greens. The time looks great. Um, no, no, but I, I just will say, you know, that's the disclaimer. We're going to dive into spoilers. And it it does sort of surprisingly become a very spoilery movie. So um, that's all I'll say. You've been warned. Um, sorry, Dan, go on. No. So, OK, Wild Mountain Time uh, came out last year uh, during the pandemic um not that the, the pandemic i think it's the not newest, still going on but you know what i mean yeah it's the it's um, the newest movie i think we've ever covered on this podcast possibly. oh interesting yeah outside mullinger is the name of the play that john that it's based on that john patrick shanley wrote uh he wrote directed the movie it stars emily blunt as rosemary muldoon and jamie dornan as anthony riley and John Hamm as Adam Kelly, and I'm saying that because he's American. That's why I'm saying it in an American <laughs> accent. And Christopher Walken as Tony Riley. Uh, we'll talk about his attempt at an accent there. And um, okay. you said you said that like an Olympic commentator. Attempted the attempt. Here is the attempt. Um, <laughs> released by Bleecker Street. Um, and yeah, like we said, currently available on Hulu. So the, 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 I'll try to keep this pretty quick. So basically we're in the country in Ireland. There's two families, um, the Muldoons which, and the Rileys, the Muldoons and the Rileys and, um, Christopher Walken, who's the patriarch of the Rileys. Riley family is contemplating selling his land to, Adam Kelly, who is a relation of his and is John Hamm, like we said. Um, and if he did it, it would kind of throw a wrench into the whole that whole world. And the Muldoons, including Rosemary, Emily Blunt, 
aren't very happy about that. Along with all of this is this childhood friendship that's become an adulthood friendship that's always been a semi-mutual attraction betwixt Rosemary, Emily Blunt, and Anthony Jamie Dornan. Um, that's always a bit, um, it never happens because of Jamie Dornan. And early on in the movie, we are made to know that Jamie Dornan, for all of his good looks, is weird. And his father thinks he's weird and everybody around town thinks he's weird and he thinks he's weird. And like Tony Riley, who's walking, thinks he's so strange to the point that like he doesn't really want to leave the land to his son. because well, And it's it's part that and I think part just the straight up traditional nature of like because of his son's quote unquote weirdness, he sees him as like ever a bachelor with no hope of being married. So the the implication maybe being that if he was married, he'd feel a little more secure in giving his son the farm, which is yes, even, which is even becomes even well, more very Irish Catholic, yeah, and, yeah. and becomes oh, you'll even, never get married, you know, like you know, like and it's you know, and yeah. and just becomes more of an impetus to Emily Blunt and Jamie Dornan, like kind of making good on these feelings that they've built up over their life, right, kind of thing. So, and that's the basic thing of the movie in terms of it's kind of this ongoing will they won't they but like very sort of strange and stilted um sort of worlds apart type thing and it's i think the i will say i one of the things that i remember reading a lot on twitter and in various reviews a big sticking point a lot of people had with this movie and I get it as an initial criticism, but I don't, I think people who had this criticism maybe aren't entirely are, are just aren't, maybe not entirely vibing with like what the movie's trying to get across, which is the big criticism of this movie was it is like seemingly there are no obstacles to keep these people apart. So why are they apart? Right. Right. And right. I at least to me watching it last night, I was like, oh, that feels like kind of the point, though. Right. Is like the idea being the only thing getting in these two people's way is each other. Right. Is this sort of like from a literary standpoint, like a playful Irish stubbornness. Right. That's like just the literally the only thing stopping Emily Blunt. Very beautiful. Jamie Dornan. Very beautiful. These two people from getting together. Right. Mm -hmm. And well, and I can understand the frustration in introducing John Hamm as the foil and then immediately being like, no, no. Yeah. Right. I, We're like, John, you, you meet John Hamm and you're like, oh, well, there's John Hamm. I mean, this is going to be a problem. And right. then it's like he's he's it's a he's problem very for 45 seconds. Well, and he's like very willfully, knowingly an asshole, like in mm -hmm. every way, like everybody involved. There's like no minced meat about it. Like. It's handsome John Hamm. But in a but it's funny, in a performance that's like very apropos to like John Hamm's entire post Madman career, like yeah. almost like willfully anti whatever you thought you wanted from John Hamm in a movie thing, which I like almost appreciate about John Hamm, where he's like, I'll be a baby driver, but I'll be the psychopath. I'll be well, in Wild Mountain Time, but I'll be a full asshole. I'll be in Bridesmaids, but I'll be even more of an asshole. And you're it, like, it's like taking, you know. it's like, what if you took Don Draper, right? 
and you had all the asshole of Don Draper, but you literally just wash away any of the cool or desirable nature about it. It's like this very, which I like, I don't know. So I'm going to, you kind of alluded to well, look, it Let me just say, I, I, so I like this movie. I do so, too. So, okay. Yeah. 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 So, I, so yeah. This is the thing. I'm I'm half Irish, half Italian. <laughs> so it, I would say this. I mean, we kind of talked about this with Oscar, with Jen. Like, I I will fully admit culturally, and like American Irish at the time. I'm not acting yeah, like I'm sure. not from the hills of the whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm from New York. But, you know, look, I like my fucking shepherd's pie. I like my fucking, <laughs> you know, fucking Irish soda bread. I like, you know, I like that stuff i like my cabbage and whatever okay um and you know uh stews as they come so <laughs> as someone who has this in his lineage I, I i was charmed by it and i thought yeah like as an irish catholic at least raised as one like i kind of got this the, the the repression the doubt the self-doubt with jamie dornan and the reinforcement there, by his family and those around him being the obstacle and the frustration of the irish loss who's like bitch i'm getting older like she, i'm like, fucking smoking my cigarettes unquote, like what's the deal like yeah, yeah and yeah and this the general vibe of like the irish curse like the cursed family name well, right so, this other thing that's happening like that all i vibed with all that the I beautiful was, score emily blunt sings the 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 titular song lovely yeah, moment lovely, yeah. i even liked the john ham element because i liked that it was very much like yeah, this guy sucks. Like, if if Emily Blunt, who's presented in this movie, in my opinion, as a very strong woman, and yes, she loves this guy who, you know, she's pined for so long, but I think two things can be true. I think she's also presented as, like, very charming but and very this intelligent. Is, this is what I was talking about before, dude. Yeah, I think yeah. she's very good at, like, successfully executing yes, yes. walking this, contradictions. I think, yeah. I think she's really good at that. And I think, um, look... Obviously, to get the obvious stuff out of the way, her accent, Walken's accent, I nightmares. They're nightmares. I, I just, but you know I, what though? I here's you know what the thing. though. I don't care. No, I nor do I. Now, granted, it's like you said, it's not really my place. To I care. don't care, Connor. I, I'm not like I'm not Irish. I don't. I I'm not. I mean, you are. I, you no, are no, no, Irish. but no, no, but I mean, in the sense of, I am not in a place to be offended by that accent, Connor O'Donnell. So, uh. It's Polish, you, actually. No, I'm kidding. Um, you are Irish, but it's I'm not in a place to get offended by the Lucky Charms nature of some of these accents, right? It's like it's the same way. Like, look, you know, you put far and away in front of me. Those accents are terrible, but at some point, especially when they get to that gigantic moment at the end with the horses, I'm gonna get swept away with it, right? Like, it's sure, just, sure, it's, sure, sure. But I think the the thing with this movie that I it reminded me of movies that were in rotation when I was younger in terms of, you know, I mean, obviously my dad super into be was super into being Irish. Right. And so was just any movie like waking that divine was on like sure. constantly. Right. Like we talked about in our Hugh Grant, episode, secret the secret of ish or, you know, not a frankly Irish movie, but like a movie like Englishman who went up a hill, but came down a mountain, like mm. these sort of whimsical, almost fairy tale esque 
thing like movies right that are kind of also winking at sort of the perception of a place like ireland as being whimsical and and fairy taleish or whatever uh i don't know well look this is look they all kind of work for me this is this movie there was there was a guy a million years ago now who hasn't made a movie in 20 years named bill forsyth and he made movies like this, right? Yeah, Local sure. hero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking housekeeping, which we I recently watched and I absolutely love starring um Christine Lottie. And like these types of movies. I'm not saying Wild Mountain Time is as good as a Bill Forth Forsyth movie, but what I'm saying is like that's the thing, that that's the energy he's getting at. And yeah. and we gotta talk about the thing that okay. everybody made so, fun so of. So hang on. So go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, I'll just say I do think the movie, if you can get past the accents, which I will say are a bit of a bummer. I think she's a little bit more successful at it than Walken is. But well, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. It, the Walken thing is such a huge bummer. It's <laughs> almost more the fault of him just being who he is. No, no, no. Okay, than- no. But this is what I was going to say. It's actually a huge bummer because I do think he gives a pretty excellent performance oh yeah and it's it's a weird it's a weird um i don't know it's like it was a weird thing to watch because the accent is so overpowering and really distracting but like the scene where he's like got the oxygen and he asked Dorman to bring him pipe instead and he said i mean look also just you you give me any scene of like fathers and sons and dying dads and shit i'm just gonna gonna eat that shit up like but but also but but that to the point of that scene though and this is the thing that shanley does and he does this in joe versus the volcano it's funny because it's a he's dying scene and he doesn't die. No, right. It's so it's, funny. Yeah, it's, I think that's funny. And there's also, yeah. I mean, but to the Shanley of it all, right? Yeah. There, I was kind of reading through reviews last night and some of the more positive ones, there aren't many, but right. some of them, even the mixed ones that lean a little slightly positive. Even some of those reviews said that there is like there are clearly signs of the dude who wrote Moonstruck in this yes, movie. Yes, yes, right? exactly. And yes, it's, 100%. it's certainly not as good as Moonstruck, obviously, all time great, right? But like the whole like I lost my hand, I lost my bride, like the absurd weirdness of that is a hundred percent on display in this movie. And frankly, well, a, a collection of characters that are are just that right uh, that are just kind of like these characters who seemingly kind of get in their own way right like there's there's a lot of that on display here uh that's pretty effective i think john patrick shanley has made a career like look moonstruck iconic but then like only two years later he makes the january man he writes the january right, man which yeah. if you have ever watched that movie he's literally trying to do a neo-noir but with Kevin Klein comedy in it. Yeah. Okay. It does not work. No, like but that's sort but, of his but whole it is vibe. Like, so it's, weird. Yeah. Like watch the January man. I guarantee you yeah. it's on like prime or something. Yeah. You will literally be like, you will and, think you might think to yourself, this is one of the worst things I've ever seen, but it is so inspired and crazy yeah. that anybody even was like, and I think, let me try to do these two things. And to your point about Emily Blunt, being very good at doing two things at the same time that feel maybe contradictory you're totally right like nicholas cage can doesn't always but can certainly do that exact thing right which makes that performance of moonstruck which is so crazy so great yeah i mean because Danny Aiello does it in moonstruck too sure like it's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then, like, of course, what's funny is, like, Doubt is the most down-the-middle thing he ever did. Right. Which is a fine movie, and it's it's provocative and whatever. But, like, in a way, it's, like, almost the least interesting thing he's ever done because you're kind of like, yeah, but what about all the other weird shit you did? Yeah, like, no, and it's why, I mean, not to go back to it, I do think, at least for my money, I think part of the reason Joe versus the Volcano is a resounding success is because it's fucking straight up like a playground for him. Right. Like it just allows him to just like exactly be bonkers. Right. And like, I think maybe that's part of it. Right. It's like, I think that's the thing where it's like, maybe when he tries to do both things, he's wholly unsuccessful, but like, but I also would even argue that Joe versus the Volcano does it too, because there is like still this underpinning of existential dread that pervades that movie in a really weird strange seemingly contradictory way yeah uh that totally works and it's like the reason the movie is this like interesting curio and i think this movie's kind of the same thing i think okay so now we'll get to it but basically i think you're riding on everything we just talked about for pretty much a whole a hundred and or sorry, an hour and 30 minutes of like the hour and 40 and change runtime of the movie, right? And then you get to the boiling point, as it were, for... Where uh, we're like, what is actually wrong with Jamie Dorn? Yeah, like where she finally, Rosemary, Emily Blunt, has finally had enough. And what I think is a pretty good, funny, but also weirdly dark, serious scene, like basically forces him to not leave her house even though he desperately wants to and they're trapped in a thunderstorm and she literally runs down the list right she's like are are you a virgin are you gay like literally what like short of her saying i'm emily blunt like what's wrong with you right what's right? the problem that, which yeah. is basically what it culminates in his response, and I just, I was trying to explain this earlier to my wife, um, because she was kind of like, ooh, like, I wonder what it is. And I straight up said to her, like, you'll, you just will never guess it. You will just never guess it in a, in yeah, a, in a, million, in a million years. years. Yeah, you can never guess it. His response is, in a literal sense, I think I'm a bee. Yeah, he literally thinks he is a bee. Like a bee trapped in a man's and, body. And the movie then proceeds to, and I'll say this to its credit, despite the very large swing it takes with that sentence, to its credit, the movie then proceeds to break it down in terms of, okay, but like like metaphorically, like, because the other thing we didn't mention is, you know, Emily Blunt's character has a sort of underpinning connection to ballet and specifically Swan Lake. So she sort of says, I, you know, throughout the movie, like, oh, I'm a swan, right? Like, I'm just, I've, um, I've always been a swan. I'm a swan, right? So it's this thing that sort of pervades the movie every once in a while as a sort of poetic thing. And so a soft connection to Adjustment Bureau, which is nice. Oh, yeah, right. With the dancing. Sure. Um, and so she responds in kind, kind of by being like, oh, like, like the way that I think I'm a swan, like, okay, whatever. And he's like, no, like, I'm a bee. <laughs> and it's such a, so I tried in, in, in some admittedly limited research. I'm sure it maybe exists somewhere at this point in time, but I did try to find, I wanted like an interview. I wanted like some, John, where are you? Explain. John. Like what, like, what did, like, what did you do now? 
it, it's and the closest thing I could come to was I found um I found a an interview with Jamie Dornan where he you know they go full spoilers and they talk about it and whatever. And he says, you know, when we got to that part of it and I asked John about it, he basically had said, like, don't doesn't everybody just want to be something they're not right or think that there's something that they're not right is the was the underpinning. And he kind of stopped there in the explanation. And it it's it's a baffling ch- choice in that it's i don't know it's just funny like i <laughs> the movie i think i think she appropriately reacts to it in the movie cuz she is just gobsmacked by it and is like i can't wrap my head around this this is insane so she she does very quickly become like an audience surrogate in a in a way that i think is knowing and helpful but the weird thing is it, uh, not unlike the uh, not unlike the John Hamm portion of the movie, it sort of just it gets introduced literally in the eleventh hour, and then they kind of run through it to the end, and they frankly give you your their your happy ending, right? Like they get yeah. together. So that I think is the actually the most baffling part of the choice it's not the choice itself well it you know, feels like it, i mean I, I haven't seen outside monger but like it feels to me a decision that shanley makes almost to soften it for film where he's right. like look we can't take it out of the movie but maybe we can just kind of make it more of like appeared at the end of the sentence type of a thing which which almost like your to your point makes it I mean, it's a, more, yeah, it, m- more shocking and potentially unintentionally funny for many people. My, my, my opinion is, I don't care. Like, like I, I also care, don't, but not, I'm not, 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 not like, not, not unlike yeah. the accents. I think, yeah, I do think the way the movie approaches it, which is ultimately like, look, everybody's got something. I, I do think it's kind of like, yeah, look, I get it can, it can, it can derail your experience and i would never uh be be surprised or critical of anyone who had that experience and obviously the majority of people that is the experience they had i just think for me it's like by the time you get there i'm pretty invested in the story and the in the relationship and it's like whatever he says i mean you kind of know she's going to accept it. Yeah, I guess that, and that's kind of all. There, that's all there is to it. A little bit I to guess, me. I mean, I, it's a little reductive. I know. Yeah, I'm just, I, I think just it's speaking a, the truth. It's a truth. weird. I understand. I think a lot of people's negative reaction to it stems from a place because, like, and not that this is a. I I do not believe this is a good barometer at all because I hate the algorithm. But it's got a twenty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, right? But if you actually look right at where those rottens fall, it's like they're all in mixed reviews. Right. And what that leads me to believe, not all, but they're in a lot of them. Right. Are in mixed reviews, What's right? the problem with the aggregate? Yeah, system, yeah, no, 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 right, right. right. And and we talked about this. But what I'm saying is what that means to me is a lot of those people who gave those mixed reviews. Right. Would probably agree with a bunch of stuff we're saying. Exactly. And, and, yeah. and what happened is the turn hits five minutes before the movie ends 
and and it's what you're left with. And rather, yeah, you're walking out, yeah, you're like, what? Yeah, and, yeah like, and rather than being a period at the end of a sentence or even an exclamation point, it's just a big question mark. And like that's the worst way you can end a movie, right? Right. So again, to your point, I agree. I I don't know if I can frankly fault or disagree with anybody who had that experience. I a hundred percent understand it. I think you mentioned the phrase before unintentionally funny and i think that's where i remain unconvinced because watching it last night i don't think it's unintentional well no like, no, no, no no i i agree I, with you, know, you. Like, I, I what i mean is right i think there's an awareness to how ridiculous it is i just think where you get into the unintentional wording is to say the reaction of the audience, which yes. of course you can't yeah. control. No, no, no. I mean, right. that's I, I an uncontrollable it, thing. I think he but. takes it. I think he takes a huge gamble, right? And I think, you know, look. I, but I like, think but what's like, a bummer I think is I, I would think rather, if it's, if it's yeah, not I think there, I would rather this than another doubt, though. You know? What no, I mean? no, 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 like, no. I ag- I agree. Like, what you, you mean, keeping it like ambiguous or something like that? No, 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 no. I mean, d- like, no. What I'm saying is, doubt has an ambiguous ending or whatever. But what I'm saying is. Doubt is a down the middle topical drama mm-hmm. written by John Patrick Shanley. That is good. It's fine. Yeah, sure. I, I everybody should watch it. It's just some great acting in the movie. Uh, what have you? I think I would rather have the weird January Man, Wild Mountain Time, uh, Joe versus the Volcano Shanley. Yeah, sure. In, instead of the no, other no, no. One, I, I agree. Is I, what I'm saying. In, in the broad strokes of him making things. I yeah. 100% agree. Yeah, give me I, weird shit. Don't give me. Yeah. I think the unfortunate, and this is where I can understand the people who skew negative on this movie, is I do think the unfortunate thing is that he, it's like he literally, you know, he like, you know, he hit like a solid triple and rounded all the bases, but like tripped before he got to home plate, right? Like you're, where you're like, yeah, he makes, and I think I think one of the things that struck me while watching, it, and again, I I was doing the thing where like I looked at some of the reviews, and I remember the reactions on Twitter and stuff when it uh, came out, so it was all pretty f- fresh. Uh, but while watching it, I was doing the because because I didn't why I well, last night was I was the first time I watched this, and while watching it, I did the thing of like I'm like, what the fuck was people's problem a year ago? Like, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I frankly, I know what everybody's problem was, right? But like, no, but I know what you no, mean. but like, I, know what you mean. I just kind of was like this, like weirdly, I was kind of like, why wasn't this like a monster hit critically? Like, I feel like this is exactly the movie everybody could have used last year. Like, I, I was like eating right. it up basically for like the whole thing. Yeah, so was I. And then basically, and even in the, I was like, oh, was it just the accents? Like, okay, we're gonna get hung up on that. That feels short-sighted but okay right and then yeah and then when the turn comes that's when i was like oh oh i get it like i don't i i'm in your camp like i don't frankly know if it ruins the movie for me i still think this movie is a like super pleasant vibe like actually shout out to uh, one of the one of the uh, positive uh, takes on this movie came from uh, Angie Han, who we know, and ah. uh, and her. I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but her basic take was just like, look, like there are certain ways it's not going to be entirely successful, but like as a general, like super pleasant vibe, this movie just like works like gangbusters, kind of right? She, yeah, that she that is not what she said, but it's that's kind of the spirit of the thing. And, I was I felt the exact same way watching it the whole time. Like I was just like, 
they're both attractive people. I like watching them. Like they, I, again, I think the super outside of the twist, the other big travesty of this movie is the walk-in performance because it's good. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's weirdly, I almost, I don't know if he could get away with not doing the accent, which is unfortunate. And that's usually what you and I talk about, but like, yeah, this, this time, I don't think, I don't think he could do that. So that's unfortunate. And the only other way out would be, you know, at least to, you know wash over that in the movie is like maybe just cast somebody else because again i think what he's fighting against is just so ingrained in like his very famous cadence right as an actor and so uh in terms of his voice obviously so it's it's hard man i mean i i it's one of those things where i got it it's like an abysmal accent but i can't help but give an a for effort because it's like the performance is is, yeah, the performance is, is, is very worth it, good. I so I think the, it, I, I, I think the performance it's is a, worth it. I, it's one of the many things that I do think. Again, I like this movie. I would pretty much recommend it. Actually, it's up my alley, basically. But I think either way, I would recommend it, even if you're somebody who's prone to hate it, because it is fascinating. Like yeah. fascinating, and as you, as we said at the top, like. The score is very good. It looks very good, which like we've talked about this quite a bit, both on and off air, but like especially through the pandemic and all the movies to streaming and all that kind of thing, like seeing a movie go to streaming that like actually looks like a movie is really nice, you know? So um, I basically am, am, am pretty strong on this movie. As am I. Yeah. Uh, and Emily Blunt, it's a good, like we said, it's a good showcase for kind of what she can do. And I think she kind of is the one who anchors the whole thing. So I think yeah, it's a good movie to end on in the sense of kind of what she brings to the table. And, you know, is a recent movie, you know, and as we speak, like we said, she's in Jungle Cruise, which, you know, hopefully is fun. You know, I think the reviews have been mixed. It's a Wame Kolesara joint, so, you know, I'm going to see it. Um, yeah, I see. I keep seeing a lot of um, comparisons to Mummy 99 uh, uh, pop up. Right. And so I suppose depending on who you are or how old you are when Mummy 99 came out, I think your mileage might vary. Um, but I yeah, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm super curious. I'm super curious about it, frankly. Um, and then in terms of, you know, Quiet Place 2 came out earlier this year in terms of like next things i mean you know this is one of those where i feel like she's got you know she's in a bunch of stuff and obviously she's just high profile even based on her you know you know obviously her marriage to john krasinski who's you know kind of continues to be a filmmaker to watch even with the quiet place movie you know with the quiet place movies being kind of just the hits that they are um sure she's in i'm just looking quickly i mean we'll see if they ever make the edge of of tomorrow sequel that's one of those movies i kind of don't want it to happen but like Eh, but but if right but if it did i would also not be you know i'm seeing it right like it's not uh if they tell me I need a sequel, I need a sequel, I guess. Um, I, yeah, I think, you know, it, in terms of what I'd like to see from her, um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to shout out, uh, Katie Walsh, who I had seen on Twitter the other day mentioned, um, and I don't, this might've been in reaction to Jungle Cruise. I'm not sure, but, um, she had mentioned like, 
let's like let Emily Blunt be like mean again. Hmm. And I yeah, that I'm gonna agree with I, that's, you. Yeah, agree with that's yeah, that's a t- that's a take. Uh, that's a take I can get behind. I think yeah, make her have her let her be a villain again. Yeah, yeah, like let her let her be the Kristen Scott Thomas in a salmon fishing. And mm, I love that. Know, like, yes, like let her just kind of evi- like just give her the reins to just eviscerate people on screen. I think I think she'd be very good at that. Um, and I don't, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. That might, it's, I like that. That might seem like a mean thing or something, but I just, I don't know. I think, I think, I think it'd be kind of cool. Um, give her like a, give her like, this is going to be such a weird fucking uh, reverence, but like, give her like a teaching Mrs. Tingle or something. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like that. Give me kind of like a pseudo campy, yeah, dark comedy. Yeah, yeah. Campy, dark comedy, horror or something. Um, where like she's the nightmare person i think i think she would excel um i also i think especially because i i think she's been at least it seems to me lately she has been kind of i don't want to say coasting because i'm sure she's doing hard work and great work but it is the sort of collection of like sicario into quiet place and quiet place Two. it's you know she's using those tools in the toolbox and she's using them effectively um but i do think she can be a a a fun bombastic uh actor and performer and so i think to i i would like to see her i mean honestly like i think i brought this up with somebody we talked about previously i don't remember who but like I I want like a a Paddington villain level of a performance, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just something that's like kind of cartoonish and crazy, and I think uh, I think that's all I'll say about that. And I'm gonna agree with you because that's I'm not gonna have a better take than that. Um, and yeah, I mean I think you know as we're wrapping up, check for Cinephile Game Nights as always. Uh, check out Fathom Stories as always for new stories. There should be one hitting. Um, the podcast feeds any day now, if you're listening, um, currently and yeah, as always, as ever at DJ Mecca on Twitter and film stage for kind of everything that I do. And, um, in honor of Emily Blunt, I will bluntly pass it to Connor to finish (laughs) this up. Uh, yeah, you can catch me on Twitter at scruffy looking. You can follow this podcast on Twitter and Facebook at TFS B side, Uh, If you have any questions, comments, concerns, any episodes you'd like us to cover um, or you just want to reach out to us, you can also reach us at B-side at thefilmstage.com, B-S-I-D-E at thefilmstage.com. Please do remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. It helps us out greatly, and we do appreciate it. Um, Other than that, I will just mention we are going to be going on a bit of a hiatus um, for a little while. We will be back, fear not. And in the meantime, what we will be doing is a series of uh, online audience polls to pick and vote for uh, four more people that we'll be covering. So not dissimilar to what we did last year, which resulted in our Robert Pattinson and Meryl Streep and Samuel L. Jackson and Toshira Mifune episode, which is still one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Um not unlike that, we're going to be presenting a series of polls uh, over the ne- over the month of August, basically, to uh, to allow you, listener, 
to vote for who we cover next. And I think we've got a pretty fun collection of people that I think will net some some good episodes once we return. Um, that said, uh, may you never beat around the bush and may you always be blocked.